<laughs> Whoa. Wow. Well, you know how to make a fire. You pick on the kindling. Ooh-ah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for your kingdom that's invading this earth, that's invaded our hearts, and that's invading our cities, invading our state, and invading our nation and the nations of this world. We thank you, Father, that you've determined from before time began that the nations should be the inheritance of your Son. And we ask you, Father, that through us, individually and corporately, and all the Catch the Fire churches around the world, and all of the churches around the world that are the body of Christ, we ask you that we would do our part in seeing Jesus receive the reward of his suffering, the nations, as his inheritance. Father, would you fill us with the Holy Spirit today, individually and corporately, God, as a whole body, <coughs> in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, well, good morning, Catch the Fire family. You are amazing, all of you. What a fantastic time of worship that was together. There's something about worship that's just so stunning. It's, and it's so much more stunning when we all come together like this. And one of the most beautiful things that I love is when I'm in the place worshiping God with all my heart and all my soul, with all my mind and all my strength, loving God as I give myself to Him in worship. And I hear all of you behind me like a great big tidal wave of just glorious worship unto the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. It's just, man, and that happened this morning. So thank you so much, Jonathan and Alice and Karis and the whole band from Toronto. Karis is the only one that's from Raleigh, but everybody else was from our Catch the Fire Church in Toronto. And uh, in fact, Alice and Jonathan... Uh, are the leaders of worship for all Catch the Fire across the world. And, uh, and so they meet with all of the leaders, including our very own right here in Raleigh, Durham. They meet with all of the worship leaders, lead worshipers, as we like to call them, from all over the churches of, the, of, the, of Catch the Fire. And they meet on Zoom monthly, and they just pour into them. And uh, they've been here for this weekend because we had our world burning night, um, one of the three. We have three of those. Uh, as you know, as a church, we have burning nights once a month, or we endeavor to. We don't always quite make it. But uh, the Lord gave Kate and I the vision uh, after John and Carol laid their hands on us to succeed them in leading Catch the Fire World. We felt that the very first thing that we wanted to do was establish ourselves firmly as a movement that first ministered to God and worshiped God before everything else. We love because he first loved us. And so uh, we, we appointed Jonathan and Alice uh, to lead worship around Catch the Fire World. And they've just done an incredible job. And one of the things that we do uh, is three times a year, we have a burning night. We call it the World Burning Night, but, um, you know, 
Anyway, we're all catching fire together across the world. But World Burning Night happened on Friday night. Sounds a very grand title. That's why I chuckled to myself there. But anyway, we all, those of us that came, the place, thank you for all of you that came from this church. But many churches came and were represented. And uh, we had the worship leaders from Catch the Fire Toronto and the band from Catch the Fire London. Kate and uh, Matt, stand up, you guys. They were amazing, outstanding. Uh, and also we had um, Chris and Summer from Catch the Fire Dallas-Fort Worth. Stand up, Chris and Summer. They were also amazing, awesome, outstanding. And then, of course, we had um, uh, Aaron and Jess and Ian and, uh, and Amber from Catch the Fire Raleigh and Linda. So it was a, an amazing, amazing night. We do those three times a year, one in London, one in Toronto, and one right here in Raleigh. And hopefully in 2018, we'll do a fourth one, boom, in Dallas-Fort Worth. And maybe even a fifth one in uh, Novo Hamburgo in Brazil. Because our, our Brazil, Catch the Fire Novo Hamburgo Brazil church is just exploding at the moment. It's amazing what God's doing there. I want you to turn with me, please. Yeah, let's give God the glory. I want you to turn with me uh, to the book of Exodus chapter 33, and I want to speak on the presence of God and on dwelling and being a dwelling place for God's presence, both individually and corporately. Folks, two weeks ago, um, I gather, by the way, that last week was an awesome week as well. And, um, but Kate and I were in Mexico City, and the Holy Spirit crashed in in the church that we were ministering in. Shikabanga, you can have that photo. How's that? And, um, and we were in uh, Mexico City, and we had the most amazing time. It's the first time, uh, there's a little less people than maybe are here today. Uh, probably, I would say, three to four hundred people, so maybe, um, two-thirds of, of us. It's the first time that I've ever led off with words of knowledge for healing. And as a result of that, God healed at least 50% in my estimation. Kate reckons more like 45%. But I reckon 50% of the entire congregation. And I've never been in a meeting where when I said, okay, when I finished delivering the words of knowledge and we sort of came out and I said, okay, now how many of you were healed? Put your hands up. I think somewhere between 45 and 50% of the people put their hands up. I called them out. They all came up. The whole front was just packed with maybe 170, 200 pe- people all up at the front who'd just been healed. In a, I mean, we've seen more healings than that, but from a ratio perspective, that was amazing. And uh, I believe that something's up, everybody, in 2018. 2018 is a very, very different year. It really is the year of incredible acceleration and uh, the year of us encountering Jesus in unprecedented ways that we've never encountered him before. He truly is doing a new thing, Ash. And uh, you're right. And two weeks ago, when... Uh, when our friends Phil and Heather were here, and those of you that were here will remember that we just saw the Lord just do, just suddenly start catching fire, people catching fire all over the place. It was great. So the last thing we ever want to be is an empty fireplace. 
And, um, and when we got on the Zoom, we have a Zoom every month, once a month, we have all of the Catch the Fire pastors meet together and we have a Zoom. A, it's like a, a conference call, video conference call that we have once a month. And it's amazing. We all get blasted and bungooed and uh, we have teaching, we have, we have times of testimony, etc. It's amazing. The presence of God's so thick with us all, even though we're right the way across the world, even as far away as New Zealand. And uh, there were reports that Tuesday, because that happened to be the first Tuesday of the month, which is when we have it, four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, there were reports from a number of the Catch the Fire churches around the world that God crashed in that very same Sunday. Isn't that amazing? So praise God. All right, Exodus chapter 33. Please unfasten your seatbelt. I don't want you being safe. We've had enough of safe Christianity. Let's let Jesus take care of the safety aspects, which he already has done, and we'll take care of the dangerous aspects. Amen? Come on. We're going to be dangerous. All right, Exodus 33, and starting at verse 7. The context of this is that the people of Israel have come out of Egypt with great signs and wonders. And then Moses had gone up the mountain called by the Lord into the fire and into the cloud, into the great fiery cloud of God's presence that descended on Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai. And, uh, and Moses spent 40 days in the presence of God and God gave him all of the instructions on how they were to worship the Ark of the Covenant, the Tent of Meeting, in terms of the tabernacle, you know, with the holy place, the most holy place, etc., etc. And all of the clothing uh, that the Aaronic priesthood and the choosing of Aaron and his descendants to be the priests and what the Levites were to do and everything, God told them all about the lamp of the of, of uh, the light of God's presence, the table of his presence with the bread of the presence, etc., etc. And he comes down with the Ten Commandments that were written by the hand of God himself, Stones cut by God himself for the people of Israel. And he comes down the mountain and he discovers that in those 40 days, the elders of Israel had gone from eating in the presence of God 40 days earlier on a pavement of sapphire. They had now, together with Aaron, had led the people of Israel so far astray that they had made a calf out of all the gold that God had given them as a gift from the people of Egypt. And I realized that that was almost a hijack because God intended that in all of the articles of worship, there would be, everything would be lined with gold. And they almost used up all the gold that God intended for his purposes to build a dumb calf. And can you imagine how grieved God was? And Moses comes down and he's just sharing this grief of God and he just gets so angry, he just smashes up the calf, he, he pounds it into powder and he puts it into the water and he forces all the Israelites to drink the water with gold. Which I'm not a medic, but apparently that's not good. And then, 
Even though Moses had been given a very, very specific instructions on how to create a very elaborate tabernacle and the Ark of the Presence, the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God would be between the cherubim. We read in verse 7. Remember, this is immediately after that. Moses took his tent. Let me just say that again. Moses took his tent, his ordinary tent, his ordinary tent made of animal skins. The same tent that all the other people of Israel were sleeping in and dwelling in every day. This is not the tent that God gave the elaborate instructions for just a few days earlier. This is just an ordinary tent, everybody. You see, most of the reasons we don't do extraordinary things is that we don't realize that our ordinary tent that we've been given is the dwelling place of an extraordinary God. We're looking for us to become something extraordinary before God can use us. But God's looking for us to just merely be exactly who we are. Because exactly who we are is who Christ died for and has made himself one with us. Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside of the camp. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his own tent door and watched Moses until he'd gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. I want you to notice his tent has all of a sudden been promoted to becoming the tabernacle, even though the tabernacle had not actually been made yet. And that's something that God's looking for for us. There is something that is reserved for us in another day, in another dimension, in the new heaven that's the new earth where God is going to give you a new body that is going to be so glorious. Your face is going to shine like the sun. Your eyes are going to blaze like fire. Your tongue is going to have the word of God coming out of it. You're going to have seven stars in your hands. Your feet are going to be polished bronze. You're going to be dressed in white with a golden sash. You're going to be identical to Jesus forever. You're going to be exactly like him forever. But that that is reserved for tomorrow, okay, we have to see with our eyes of faith. We have to believe it. And we have to realize that we are already that on the inside of us because we're in Christ. We already have the fullness of the majesty and the glory of God dwelling on the inside of us right now. We can't see it because the fullness of it in bodily form is waiting for us on the other side. But we still can access the fullness of that through faith today. 
And we need to realize Moses was doing the very same thing. He knew he'd just been given the instructions from God that he was to erect an elaborate tabernacle. But he's, he's like, I can't wait. I'm not going to wait. The people of Israel have just done this crazy sin despite all of the incredible things that they know and that they've seen God do in Egypt. All the signs, all the wonders, all the manna, all the quail, all the parting of the Red Sea. For heaven's sakes, they walk through an entire ocean on dry ground. And if you don't believe it and you imbibe some kind of teaching that, no, he didn't, it was a shallow area. Well, how do you figure out the fact that God was able to drown the whole of Pharaoh's army? There's a phenomenon. I heard a little kid make that joke once. Or I heard of a little kid who made that joke once. And so here's Moses and he's, he's been with the people. He's gone up the mountain. They've seen the fire come down. They've seen the whole mountain covered in thick dark cloud the presence of God up there they've seen fire on the mountain they saw Moses walk right into that fire why do you think he walked he knew he could walk right into that fire and not be burned up because he saw the bush that was burned but that was on fire but not burning he knew from the very beginning God is good God is kind God is so much better than we realize He's way, 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 way too high for religion. You can't reach him through religion. Thank God he came down and reached us. There's no sacrifice you can make for him. Thank God he made a sacrifice for us. Moses understood it. And Moses went right up into this fire. And he's in the fire for 40 days. And he comes down and he finds out that these people that have done these, seen God doing these extraordinary things, they're worshiping a calf that they made out of their gold. And all that religion, and it just breaks his heart. And what does he do? The first thing, he's like, okay, whoa, reboot, reboot, reboot. I'm going to make a tent. Even though I know that that's not yet, and that there's a tent that I've just been given all the instructions, and we're going to make it, you bet, we're going to make it. Oh yeah, we're going to make it. But until that time, I'm going to use my tent. To be a meeting place between me and God. So that the people can once again be captured back to being a people that know that God is a face-to-face God. He talks. He speaks. He hears. He's got eyes. He's not a dumb golden calf. And God's looking for us, everybody, to be like Moses today in this generation. He's looking for us to be a people that will take our simple bodies... And when we meet together corporately as the body of Christ together, that we'll take our simple bodies and in front of the whole world happily separate ourselves in moments of radical devotion and radical worship to God in our tents. Where we have face-to-face meetings with God. Now, Shakabanga, we'll come on to that. Some more of that in just a moment. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. When was the last time a pillar of cloud descended on your house and all your neighbors were freaked out because there was a cloud over the top of your house and around your house? When was the last time that your house had physical visible fire on it? When was the last time our church 
was unable to be seen from the road over there because of the cloud of God's presence. Well, it was said that in Finney's day in Chicago, during his meetings, people would see physical fire on the church buildings. Guys, these stories are not written for us to just go, oh, wow, that was really amazing. Gosh, that's so cool. Wow. Wow, how cool. Yeah. Wow, it's so nice being a Christian. No. They're an invitation for every generation to contend with God for his manifest presence. Do not be satisfied with God's omnipresence. Do not be satisfied with a theology alone that says that Christ is in you. Long for the world to see you experiencing that reality so greatly that they're provoked to jealousy, not to your religion, but to your relationship with God. That's what God's looking for. And if you can be a burning one, how much more can a company of people be burning ones together? There's one thing to be this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Guys, I'm sure the person who wrote that song had sweetness in their heart. But you do not have a little light of yours. You have a raging bushfire. You have the consuming fire of God's presence on the inside of you. You are not a little light. You are an extremely dangerous forest fire. You just can't see it. Now, when we get together, how much more is that fire? And the Lord stood at the door of the tent and talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, the tent door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would not return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tent, from Moses' tent. Kate said to me in Mexico, honey, when we read this together, she said, honey, I think the only thing that, every genera- that turns every generation into a radical, red-hot, fiery, passionate, lovers of God generation is the presence. It's the presence. It's not the style of clothes. It's not the style of music. I remember meeting a guy here in Raleigh close to 10 years ago. Do you realize, everybody, our 10-year anniversary is coming up in September? I remember meeting a very, very, very influential multimillionaire from right here in Raleigh. And he said to me uh, at, a, at an evening party that I was at, when he heard about our church coming, he said, I hope it's not one of those churches that have drums and bass guitars and electric guitars and that kind of thing. I hope you're planting a church with, a, with an organ. I looked at him and I said, sir, please don't come to our church. That'll be the least of your worries.
If you're offended at the presence of a guitar, how much more will the presence of God offend your religion? Shandarapa. Styles come, styles go. Instruments come, instruments go. Chairs come, pews go. Thank God. But make no mistake, everybody. Buildings, music, style, preaching, even miracles, all of those things, incomparable compared to God. It's God's person, God's presence, and God's power that we live for, everybody. And of course, in Christ Jesus, we have God's person dwelling on the inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. But never settle for that to be positional or theological alone. When was the last time you felt that he's really on the inside? When was the last time you felt his electricity electrocuting you? If God's on the inside, how come you're still alive? That's grace right there. Oh, Jesus, please come into my heart. You don't realize you're praying a prayer that could be lethal. It's the mercy and the grace of God that you're not dead with Christ on the inside of you. And actually, technically, you actually are dead. He had to put you to death before he could live in you. Shaka bongo. Come on, our God is a mighty God. He's a consuming fire. The miracle is not that he touches you. People walk into our church. Oh. Okay, never seen this before. I'm talking about when they look at you. You were thinking, you were talking when they look at me. No, I just happen to be ordinary that day. But listen, the miracle is not that God touches you, as my pastor John Arnott says. The miracle is that when he touches you, you get to live through it. The only reason we're shocked and surprised when we see strange things happening in our church, when people, by the way, the manifestations is not God's presence. The manifestations is our bodily response to God's presence. That's why we all manifest differently. So don't judge people according to their manifestations. In fact, create have an open heart for God to come in whatever way he fancies and look out the way you're judging him doing something in someone else. He might do it even worse with you. I've heard about it. I've seen it over and over and over again. I heard about one guy. He was, I just heard about it this week when we were with all of our pastors in, um, from Canada that were at this thing that retreat that we were in in Mexico and they were telling the story of how one of them was telling the story of how this man came to the came to the church in the in the midst of revival and he saw all these people rolling like this in the fire why do people roll around when they're on fire cuz they're trying to stay alive and put the fire out Because they're burning so hot. Well, guess what? The fire of God can come upon you so intensely. I'm not talking about theology here, guys. I actually am. I'm talking about real theology. Which is when theory 
and biology mix together and become theology. And they're, roll, they're rolling around and he's like, oh, he's a pastor, oh, this is just nonsense. Well, by the end of the week, God had discombobulated him so much that he was one of the holy rollers himself. Shaka boom. Fire on us, Holy Spirit. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. This verse just so gripped my heart. I'm my prayer for us as a church, okay, is that by the time my grandson, Kate and I's grandson, Jude, and and uh, some of our non-biological grandchildren, but nevertheless are our grandchildren, like Silas and, and like Wesley and many others. We just, our prayer is that they would see us so meeting with God face to face as a people, so in love with God, so stewarding the tent of our tabernacle, this body, and our tabernacle, this body of Christ right here, that we would be so stewarding our bodies Coming aside, like we have done this morning, but coming aside for burning nights, come where we have six nights, six hours of worship, coming aside for our ignite groups, coming aside as families, coming aside, just drawing aside for one reason, the presence. One reason alone, to meet with God face to face, to have face to face encounters with him. If Moses under the old covenant could have a face to face encounter with God when God was on the outside of him, how much more should we in the new covenant now that we're one with Christ be able to position the tent of our bodies if for a face to face encounter with the living God? And my prayer is that all of us as a church, we'd be so passionate for the presence, so longing to know him in the deepest place that our sons and daughters and our grandchildren that are growing up in that generation would be even more passionate than we are, that they would never leave it. They would never leave it. They'd be so in love with him, so on fire with him. Everywhere they go, they'd be carrying that pillar of fire. Who told you that the transfiguration was something that could only happen 2,000 years ago? How do you know that the reason Jesus, one of the reasons that Jesus took the three disciples with him was to give them a foretaste of what's possible for us in the new covenant to experience with God? What would it look like if in our prayer meetings we just started to load up with so much hunger and so much passion and so much thirst for God that as we come together corporately and begin to long for him and begin to sit with him for hours in his presence, just totally obsessed with him, just completely lost in love with him, that all of a sudden somebody for the first time in two or three hours opens their eyes like this to see what's going on because they need to look for a way to go to the bathroom. And just as they look like that, they just see everybody's faces are just shimmering with glory. There's nothing in the Bible that says that the transfiguration was something that we cannot experience in our day. I challenge you to show me where it says that. It was an invitation for every generation to experience more of God. Jesus didn't make himself one with us at the cross for us to have less experience than the old covenant. 
Jesus didn't rise from the dead and so that he could live on the inside so that you could have an inferior experience with the living God. Everything that you read in the old covenant is an invitation that in the new covenant we should have a superseded experience. And if we don't, you need to get irritated by it. You need to get provoked by it. You need to stand in the presence of God and say, God, it's my right in Christ Jesus that I should experience you, Father, in a greater dimension than Moses did. Anybody excited in this room? I'm like ready to explode on the inside. I'm so excited about this. Have you heard about our Ignite groups? Yeah, we, we do small groups. Yeah, yeah, small groups. I don't know why anybody would call them small groups. Who wants to go to a small group? I want to be in a big group. Thank you very much. It's a joke, okay. But have you heard about our Ignite groups? Yeah. It's the kind of thing that people do who need fellowship in big churches. No, no, it's not. Why do you think we call them Ignite groups? Because we have a hope in our hearts, okay, that those meeting together somewhere in some coffee shop, restaurant, or their homes, and by the way, if you're the leader of that Ignite group, make sure you lead it in somebody else's home, then they can make the coffee. Oops, sorry, did I say that? That's just a joke. But it's a little leadership tip. Why? Because you as the leader of that Ignite group, we want you to focus on one thing. We don't want you to focus on making it a place where people can be nice together alone. We don't want it to be a place where people just have relationship alone. Because the greatest relationships on planet Earth are those that are conducted in the context of a shared mission. And the mission is the glory of God that's in the face of Christ Jesus, that's on the inside of each of us, being manifested to the whole world, so that the whole earth will not just be filled with the glory of God, but we'll be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. How will the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God when we, who have the glory of God on the inside, manifest it through our radiant faces and our relationships that are so powerful, we're on mission together. And so our Ignite groups are actually, the purpose of us having Ignite groups is so that those places, those people that meet become an irresistible habitation for the living God, for his manifest and abiding presence. Well, we don't hear people speaking in tongues enough. Well, go to an Ignite group and speak in tongues. We need to do more miracles in church. Okay, find a group of people, start meeting with them and start doing miracles. We need more worship at church. Okay, great. Start worshiping like crazy. This is how I'm beginning to learn to steward my life. First, I steward this tent. This tent, right here, right here. I can't look at all of you and ever blame you for what we're not or what we are. I must look at me. And in looking at me, I see Christ. I look at Christ. I fix my eyes constantly on Christ. Lord, let me steward this tent well. 
After stewarding this tent well, now I can steward my family tent well. Because you see, the tent is bigger than just you. In fact, when it comes to walking with Jesus, okay, you cannot experience the Father's love sufficiently on your own without experiencing somebody else's experience of the Father's love that was different to yours. Did you hear what I said? You cannot fully experience Daddy's love for you in your life on your own. God has purposed it in this way, that there's something of somebody else's experience with him that you come into a fresh dimension of his love for you. It's not just this little light of mine, this little me on my own in my house. And if you're watching online, I unashamedly say to you, if there's any way that you can make it to a meeting every week, make it. Why? Because there's something about being together corporately like this that takes us to a whole nother level of experience. Because I... I get to meet with Willie Jones, my friend. I get to sit with him and hear him tell me how he lead, how he experienced the Father right here, right, Willie? Right here. And he experienced the Father, and the Father transformed him in his love, and Willie's never been the same since. But when Willie starts to tell me his story, All of a sudden, what happens? His story becomes an invitation to a good father for me to experience that which Willie experienced, now I can experience. I can't do that without Willie. It's so beautiful. The church is so beautiful. Plus, Kate mentioned to me this this morning, I'm like, honey, that's just so phenomenal. In the book of Revelation, in the first three chapters, After he experiences Jesus, Jesus begins to speak to him concerning the condition of the churches. And he speaks about seven churches. And he says to each church, he says to the angel of the church, boom. 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 Right now, you're sitting under the angel of Catch the Fire, Raleigh Durham. There's an angel, and he doesn't live at home with you. He lives right here at the top of this roof. And when you come in, you come under that angel. Now, we don't worship that angel. No way. We worship the the God that the angel worships. But that angel, nevertheless, is very, very mighty. His name is Harvest. (laughs) That's why we're growing. If it was down to us being the only ones that witness and the only ones that reap, probably wouldn't grow that well. But thank God for all the angels. They don't travel at the speed of walking. Even 70 miles an hour in a, in a vehicle is not very fast compared to the speed of light. Angels travel at the speed of light. God travels at the speed of thought. God doesn't even travel. He's everywhere. Because he's the I am. So folks, when we come together, there's something that you can have here that you can't have at home. There's levels of angelic presence that's far more on a Sunday morning or in a burning night or at a conference. And you know what? We've got some conferences of conferences coming up, folks. We've got a conference in, by the way, I'm giving you an apostolic message this morning. 
We've got a conference coming up in April. We don't have that many conferences because we don't want to be a conference center. We want to be a local church that are manifesting God's presence to our city and reaching our city. We don't want to have Christian conferences alone. We want to actually spend the majority of our time being the church, reaching our cities, reaching our world around us, manifesting the glory of God. However, there's something that happens in conferences that's so dynamic and so awesome that you just don't, it's more than a Sunday morning. It just is. And the biggest reason, I believe, is called hunger. I remember walking into the revival in, um, in uh, uh, Florida, um, La- thank you Murray, in Lakeland. And I walked into the revival in July 2008 in Lakeland with Todd Bentley. Walked into this giant tent. There was probably 10,000 people in there. As I walked in, my best buddy, we're both from Canada at the time, my best buddy goes to me, wow, can you feel that? What is that? I said, that's the tangible hunger of 10,000 people that have come from all over the world for the presence of God. It was different to the presence. And there's something about being in a group of people that are hungry for God, okay, that sets you up for encounters with the living God that you cannot have just on your own. Now that doesn't, by the way, I'm not saying you can't have encounters with God on your own. I've had some extremely dramatic encounters with God entirely on my own. But there's something amazing about being together as well. Mm. We want to pitch our tents as dwelling places in order to encounter God's transforming presence. We want to do that every day. We don't just want to do it on Sundays when we come into this meeting. In fact, it would be great if this was almost the least dramatic of all of our experiences with God across the week. But we want to we want to we want you to learn to pitch your tent to learn to steward this tent. Not only coming together corporately for a larger open heaven and, and for you know, doing amazing things with amazing angelic presence and the corporate presence of God that is not just in us and on us, but also among us. But we also want to teach you to learn to steward your tent with your family. That means that you walk in love with your family. I've discovered in life that family seemed sometimes to be the most challenging place for me to remain in a state and a a mentality of love and kindness. Why? Because somehow or other there's nothing like being in family that causes all my selfishness to rise up. And all this family, why can't they see that it's all about me? But no, family is the place where you, have, you and I have the greatest opportunity to steward our tent, to give the one that we carry, to give his love away. So give your love away to your wife. Give your love away to your husband. Give your love away to your children. Be kind to them. Don't yell at them. Be gentle with them. Don't be argumentative. Be 
kind with one another. Remember that a lot of things can be avoided if you give up your right to be right in front of everybody. A lot of sin can be avoided if you just relinquish your right to be right. Because you know you can be right and totally wrong all at the same time. And tone is one of those things, isn't it? Learn to speak in a tone of gentleness, a tone of love, and a tone of kindness. But your tent is bigger than just your family. Your tent, you can carry it to work. And I don't care whether you're the top entrepreneur who's got a business that you're leading 300 staff. Or whether, as Kim said, you're an employee and you go to work and you're the janitor. It really won't make a lot of difference when we're all in glory what you did. Or how rich you were. What will count is how you stewarded the presence. And you can steward the presence of God. You can determine that as for me and my tent... I'm going to steward my tent in my university lecture hall. I'm going to sit there and I'm just going to believe, thank you God, that I can't see it, but in the invisible realm is a pillar of fire all around me, is a cloud of glory all around me as I sit here listening to my LGBTQ, TFGIH, whatever person that they happen to be persuaded in in their identity. I sit here in front of all of these people. Let your presence, God, invade this lecture hall. And then they and you can all be the real letters that count. I-A-M. Let your, let your dwelling tent, okay, carry the presence into every interview that you go into, into every job that you're in. Just begin to pray. Father, I ask you that you would bless my boss. I ask you that you bless my colleagues. I ask you that you bless the owners of this business. I ask you that your presence in me would be manifested to them all. In Jesus' name. That I will make this the camp of the Lord. Let's stand, everybody. It could be your school. What about your car? Do you know that road rage could lead to your untimely death? Someone cuts you up, you get all angry with them. <laughs> then you pull up to the traffic lights and that person's right there waiting for you with a shotgun. That happened, to, that happened to Kate. She wasn't involved. She just witnessed these two people going crazy right on Glenwood with each other. A little bit of road rage. And then they pulled up to the traffic lights. And the one guy gets out, walks over to the other guy and sticks a, sticks a 45 right inside the, 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 to the, guy's, the driver's head. I'm telling you, stewarding your tent can save your life. <laughs> Steward your tent.
Be slow to anger, quick to forgive, and give God's love away everywhere you go. May catch the fire, be a people that are known for his presence, for his love, for his goodness, for his miracles. For all that's ours in Christ Jesus to be our living reality, not our theology of correctness. Amen. Now I just want you to close your eyes for just a moment and just begin to make a decision in your heart. God, I want my tent that you have filled with your presence. I want it to count in this world for your glory. Lord, like Moses, he took what was reserved for a later day and he started acting in it with what he had, his own little tent as a precursor to the tabernacle. Lord, I thank you that you've given me my body. I thank you that you've given us each our bodies. I thank you that together we're the body of Christ. I thank you that there are some things that we just can't have with you on our own that you've reserved that we enjoy together. God, I'm asking you that you would come with an unprecedented level of your transforming presence that we'd never recover from. And we'd never be the same again, God. I thank you for what you did in 94. I thank you for what you've done every day since. I thank you for the measure of your glory that we've enjoyed and that we're enjoying. But do it again, God. Do it even more. Do it even more powerful. Father, I ask that you'd give us the grace of hunger the grace of thirst as a church, that we begin to start to supernaturally hunger and thirst for your presence, God, that we would desire to encounter your transforming presence like we've never experienced you before, God, that we wouldn't settle for just knowing that we're in Christ and that we're in the Father by the Spirit, but we'd experience it, Father. We'd know it, God. Whoa, and I ask you that it would move your heart, God. That you'd give us grace to move your gaze, to cause, to draw your gaze, to cause you to look upon us with such affection, God, that you would come and abide with us as dwelling places, a dwelling place on the earth. God, that would be a foretaste of the new heaven and the new earth, that would be the maximum possible experience of your person, your presence and your power that we could ever hope to believe for God that you would come and that we would just have no words to describe what you're doing God because you're doing a new thing that we've never seen before God. We're hungry for you we're thirsty for you God we're asking you for an outpouring of your spirit the likes of which no generation has ever experienced before God. We're asking you for it Daddy. We know it's what Jesus died for for us what He rose from the dead for us. And I'm asking you, God, I'm asking you for so much power that people from all over the world would fly in here so that they can bring their quadriplegic, wheel-bound relatives who were paralyzed from the neck downwards and they'd be instantly healed in every meeting, Father. I'm asking you, God, for for enough power for diabetes to be history for every person and every relative that we know. 
Father, I'm asking you that cerebral palsies will be healed in this room. I'm asking you, Father, that that people with Down syndrome would be healed in this room, God. Literally, they'd be transformed in in front of us. I'm asking you for limbs to grow, God. I'm asking you for so much power that brand new limbs would just grow out. I'm asking you for it, Father, because I know that you want to do it because you love us. And every person that's asking the same, get out here to the front quickly. Come out here to the front quickly. Just if you're hungry, I believe God wants to baptize every one of you that are hungry with even more hunger, with the grace for even more hunger, for more, for more, because there's so much more, everybody. Don't settle, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle. There's so much more, so much more so much more. Don't settle. If your business is going well, don't settle. There's more. God's created you for a ridiculous level of abundance. I believe that God's going to give a number of people in this room the power to create so much wealth according to his covenant with Abraham. Deuteronomy 8.18 that God is going to give you the capacity and the power to create so much wealth, so much value for others that you're going to own airplanes. There's going to be people in Catch the Fire that are going to own airplanes. And you know what? That sounds just as impossible as someone who's paralyzed from the neck downwards, leaping out of a wheelchair. And the good news is you can, but he can. We can, but he can. Now just begin to ask God. I believe the Lord's showing me that right now with heaven open above our heads and in this moment, in this moment, my words with spirit, the Holy Spirit on the word created this moment where literally whatever you ask for right now in His name, because you're in His identity, in his name you can ask whatever you want right now and it will be done for you just ask him right now for whatever's on your heart go on lift up your voices everybody unashamedly don't care about the person next to you I want you to get very 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 American right now I want you to get very American at a sports meeting we're loud we're proud now get loud and get proud with God and just begin to raise up your voices with him and begin to ask him Ask Him. Ask Him. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what you ask for. Ask. Ask. He's a good Father. Ask Him. Ask Him. Ask Him. He's a good Father. Ask Him. There's something about being together like this. The impossible happens. He's the God of the impossible. When we come together in His presence like this, ask Him to bless your business. Ask Him. Ask Him. Ask Him to bless your business. Ask Him to bless your family. Ask Him that your children will be like Joshua, that they linger at the tent of meeting all the days of their long lives. Ask Him. Come on. Ask Him. Ask Him for hunger, the gift of hunger and thirst. 
to take root in your children. Ask Him for a generation of Joshua, the son of Nun. Joshua, the son of Nun. Joshua, the son of Nun. Ask Him. Ask Him that your children would carry the mantle of Joshua, the son of Nun. Ask Him for grace and passion for the presence like Moses had. Ask Him for your neighbors. Ask Him that the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God would hit your neighbors, would hit your friends, would hit the people from India, Bangladesh, China, Pakistan, the peoples from Nigeria, Somalia, Ethiopia that are right here with us in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Ask Him, let the knowledge of the glory of the Lord invade them. Let this place be a place of prayer for all nations, God.